Today, Annie McLaughlin here for this week's edition of Stick Together, the only national program focusing on union news, workers' stories and social justice issues. This program is produced in Melbourne for 3CR on the stolen lands of the Kulin Nation and we pay our respects to their elders past, present and emerging. Stick Together is broadcast nationally on the Community Radio Network with the support of the Community Radio Foundation. Today, we look at the AUKUS deal and how two unions have voiced their opposition to Australia jumping in bed with the nuclear fanfare of the Federal Liberal National Government. But first, some union news. At the Western Olympics of the Mind, the Nobel Prize, the Prize for Economic Sciences 2021 went to David Card, Guido Impens and Joshua Ankrist for their methodological contributions to the analysis of casual relationships. In layperson terms, this work tested and proved that the increase in the minimum wage does not lead to greater unemployment. The Australian Education Union reports that teachers, principals and education support staff working in Victorian government schools have voted in favour of taking industrial action to achieve a new agreement that meets their demands for better paying conditions. The ballot for protected industrial action was overwhelmingly endorsed with 97% of those who participated voting yes to take action. Key issues include underfunding, understaffing, leading to overwork for the staff running the schools. The TWU, the Transport Workers' Union, announced on October the 13th an in-principle agreement with Toll, which will be put to delegates and members for endorsement. The new agreement includes key job security provisions, including site rates, commitments to give employees and owner-drivers first preference over all available work, and caps on outside hire. 15% superannuation, improved consultation and auditing rights to further protect workers from their work being contracted out. The union said members have put in the hard yards over the last few months and their fight has paid off. We would not have come this far if not for thousands of workers standing up around the country and taking action. The Cube dispute in Fremantle, Western Australia is in its 12th week. MUA workers are pushing for a better work-life balance and a safer workplace, calling for the company to give workers earlier calls and fewer end-to-end work shifts. The ACTU weighed in last week saying all MUA members are asking for is the most basic level of job security to know when their next shift will be. Not knowing when you will get work next means you have no ability to plan in any aspect of your life. The ACTU went on to say that that CUBE has been asked by the Fair Work Commission and the Western Australian Government to sit down with workers and find an end to this dispute. We hope that CUBE will put the interests of workers and the economy first and come to the table. The Migrant Workers Centre announced in its most recent newsletter that their submissions to the Senate inquiry into skilled migration and the inquiry into temporary migration have borne fruit with key recommendations included in the final reports. Some key recommendations adopted include to reform the visa system to create more pathways to permanent residency, to penalise employers who breach workplace obligations to migrant workers, to establish workplace rights inductions and information programs for migrant workers, to establish a firewall between the Department of Home Affairs and the Fair Work Ombudsman, 
to abolish the prohibitive work conditions attached to the international student and working holiday makers' visas and to establish a national labour hire licensing scheme. The Migrant Workers Centre noted that the inclusion of our recommendations in this report is a milestone moment for this campaign and gives us a strong foundation to take our fight to a fairer visa system to Canberra. Underpayment of staff cases at Woolworths, the Commonwealth Bank and the ABC have come to a head this week. The issue of systematic underpayment of salaried staff at Woolworths in the 2010s brought to their attention by a class action of workers has been settled with the company likely to pay a flat $2,500 each plus superannuation because the wage problems happened so long ago it no longer has timesheets to see how much individual employees should get. Josh Cullinan from the Retail and Fast Food Workers Union said Woolworths' decision was disappointing because the company's underpayment bill over the six-year period suggested it had underpaid staff much more than $50 million between 2010 and 2013. The underpayments in that period are going to be catastrophically more than $2,500 for very many, many workers, Mr Cullinan said. These workers were promised in 2019 that they would be paid back to 2010. It's not good enough for Woolworths to come and say that they don't have enough records. Some of these workers waiting patiently will be owed tens and tens of thousands in these three years in underpayment. At the ABC, a review by accounting firm PwC has shown staff members were paid incorrectly for their skill levels and others weren't paid enough for loadings and allowances under a buyout scheme intended to be a mutually beneficial way for the broadcaster to pay staff doing long or unpredictable hours because they replace allowances, overtime and penalty rates with a higher based salary, usually about 25% above normal levels. These revelations plus recent management plans to cut guaranteed pay for about 70 staff members has led journalists threatening strike action. Now the best for last. The Fair Work Ombudsman filed court proceedings on Monday, October the 11th, alleging that the Commonwealth Bank of Australia had made false or misleading statements to affected employees that said that they would be better off under its pay deals. The Ombudsman claims the bank failed to conduct proper checks and make top-up payments to ensure more than 7,000 staff and its enterprise agreement and individual pay deals were not paid less than either industry minimums or collectively negotiated rates. It is also maintained that the Commonwealth Bank knew of its systemic underpayment but chose to wait until an individual worker made a complaint about their individual contract before dealing with the individual contract problems. A piece of COVID news, the Andrews government in Victoria seems to be the only government in Australia that has decided that paying frontline medical staff such as nurses, doctors and ambos dealing with COVID is more important than just saying that they are heroes. They announced a $60 shift loading last week. You're on Stick Together, workers' stories, union news and social justice issues. Morrison returned from one of his many overseas trips during COVID with a nuclear substeel called AUKUS, an agreement with the US and the UK to make the world safe again from evil China. And like a cowboy from an old 1950s cowboy movie, he did it alone without any reference to parliamentary or democratic process. 
The Murdoch media strewed rose petals on his path to the capital with the news and the born-again pastor has now announced zero emissions is necessary for our economic future and, by golly, what's in his back pocket, the nuclear option. Both AUKUS and the zero emissions announcements, all with solutions set for decades in the future where Morrison won't be seen by then, nicely tucked away on the hefty retirement fund allowed for retired Australian Prime Ministers. Some might say Morrison put his big boy pants on and it's just doing his best for the country. Others have said Morrison lost in the soft bigotry of low expectations, isn't ambitious for Australia, but is ambitious for himself. There is an election coming. Let's stop looking at this from Morrison's political ambitious point of view or from the point of view of the Turncoat Business Council, who only a few years ago categorically said that the economy would be destroyed if Australia developed sustainable energy sources like solar or wind over fossil fuels and moved away from digging holes in the ground and threatened the Artesian Basin and agricultural land by fracking. The only way forward was, in fact, not to vote for Labor in the last election. Now it's okay, according to the Business Council, and now the suits are the ones saying change is necessary. Let's look at Morrison's announcement of AUKUS, not from the point of view of a lame duck Polly wanting re-election, or a pack of lazy capitalists who see the next gravy train on the backs of free natural resources and cheap labour, and look at it from the point of view of the people. Very close up and personal, it was very bad for hundreds of working Australians. With the announcement of AUKUS, hundreds of people lost their jobs overnight. Here is Peter Ong, the General Secretary of the Electrical Trade Union for Queensland and the Northern Territory. Comrades, thanks for um, asking me to give the ETU's concerns on this forum tonight. As was stated, my name's Peter Ong. I'm the General Secretary of the Electrical Trade Union for Queensland and the Northern Territory. Uh, the Electrical Trade Union is concerned and angry about something called AUKUS. And the reason I say something called AUKUS is because there's very little information as to the status of AUKUS, whether it's a treaty uh, with all the checks and balances of treaties or just an understanding, a pact, a framework, or as our uh, Prime Minister liked to call it, like something out of Peter Pan, a forever partnership the ETU represents hundreds of current and future workers in Australia defence industry who build and maintain vehicles for the Australian Defence Force. The shock announcement of the Morrison government to tear up the future submarine build program contract with Naval Group and its agreement with France is cause for concern to the ETU and its members. As is a re uh, revelation that our federal government has been working in secret to reach an agreement with the US and UK governments to attain a fleet of submarines utilising nuclear power propulsion technology. The mining of uranium and the use of nuclear energy is something our union has been opposed to and has had bans against since the end of the Second World War. There is a risk that the acquisition of nuclear weapons will be pushed as a logical consequence of the acquisition of nuclear technology for submarine propulsion. Proponents of domestic nuclear energy industry are already using this decision to call for civilian nuclear power to be established in Australia, and these voices are likely to get louder. Having nuclear propulsion systems creates more problems than they solve. How will uranium exposure be managed? How will the waste be dealt with? Who will work on it? Will our shipyards and the workers become terrorism targets? 
not to mention the positive security vetting process that will need to be introduced. It will require workers to undergo two years of security screening before they are allowed anywhere near it. We had an agreement for 12 regionally superior attack class submarines. We now have a trilateral defence agreement for nuclear propelled submarines, but no plans to build any actual submarines. Despite Australian taxpayers spending billions of dollars to date, we are back to square one with an announcement that the federal government will now spend 18 months to make a decision, again, on what submarine design Australia should purchase. With the stroke of our buffoon of the Prime Minister's pen, this will now cost Australia much-needed engineering, manufacturing and construction jobs. The French deal promised 5,000 jobs at its peak. The AUKUS deal scraps all commitments to Australian industry content. Around 40 Australian families had sold up and moved to France as part of the early design phase. The planning to acquire skills and knowledge which they would later bring back to Australia. They have all lost their jobs and are now stuck in limbo with no way to get home. Under the French deal, 60% of the total project cost was to be spent in Australia. AUKUS is currently indicating only 40% of the project cost, and even this is doubtful and is likely to be much lower subject to the outcome of 18-month review. As far as future technology goes, the computer systems might be useful technology for Australia, but weapons-grade uranium in a 1950s propulsion system is not new technology. The rest of the world is moving to unmanned submarines. The submarines they want us to build are likely to be obsolete before they are even built. Other countries, Germany, for example, are already well advanced with hydrogen-powered propulsion systems, and this technology is advancing rapidly. And it's you know, good to note that the byproduct of burning hydrogen is oxygen, um, something we all should be moving towards. Australia is poised to become a hydrogen export superpower. Why wouldn't we marry the two industries together to leverage Australia's significant natural renewable advantages? Morrison's decision is a stunning betrayal of Australian workers, which at best will delay by a decade hundreds of long-term, highly skilled, secure, well-paying Australian shipbuilding industry jobs, and at worst, destroy these jobs opportunities completely. This flawed decision will mean that we will pay massively more for less submarines, which will be delivered 10 years later than they are expected and required. In introducing nuclear military technology, Morrison will create unnecessary defence, security, environmental and health and safety risks for Australians without any consultation and without any endorsement from the people who are picking up the bill, whilst trashing our national reputation. The 18-month review process conveniently pushes out any federal government decision until after the next federal election. The fact that ALP nationally have backed the coalition on this monumental change in national defence policy has acted to nullify this issue on a two-party political basis. We must work to make this a political issue that people care about. We must all demand that our political representatives on all sides are held to account for their decisions and they must answer to the electorate and explain to us how the serious concerns this disastrous decision raises will be addressed. Thanks, comrades. You're on Stick Together, workers' stories, union news and social justice issues. 
There are broader issues for Australian working people than the loss of immediate jobs with AUKUS. Another union, the Maritime Union of Australia, has also strongly denounced Morrison's lazy politics. Warren Smith, Deputy National Secretary of the MUA, had this to say. There's lots of reasons, comrades, to oppose this new military alliance. Um, and it is a military alliance. Um, it features, and it's heavily featured, the question of nuclear submarines. But um, the submarines quite clearly are offensive and need to be opposed, offensive in more ways than one. But um, so does the drive to war that this deal reflects. And the, our union has had long-held policies on peace and war, going back to one in eight Australian seafarers being killed in World War II, I say often due to submarines. Um, Wharfies dying in the bombing of Darwin, um, recognising that every time there's been war, it's working people who've paid the price. Um, we've long opposed the nuclear industry and nuclear weapons and fought hard against uh, nuclear waste being dumped on Indigenous land. And we don't want our workplaces, our ports and seas, clouded with nuclear threats, targets and dangers. And the acquisition of nuclear submarines only serves to embolden those advocates of nuclear power. You can see it in the press already even within the trade union movement. Six countries um, have nuclear submarines and all have nuclear power. And that will be a plan for us in Australia. And we need to vigorously oppose that because it's also part and parcel of the um, nature of this. So it's not just the question of um, peace movements finding um, ground for a coalition here. This is about all of the anti-nuclear groups we can muster into a coalition as well. It should be about all of the environmental groups that can be brought into a broader coalition as well to oppose this because it cuts across in every respect the heart and soul of all those movements. We don't want Adelaide to be a Chernobyl. And we don't want Sydney, Perth or Darwin to be a Fukushima. And that's what we're presented with. In reality, that's what we're presented with, real and serious threats. Jobs get bandied about and um, it, it becomes a controversial topic within the trade union movement. But I believe society, and certainly governments do, but we all have a choice and we can advocate in the strongest way for our choice. Because I think the choice is between the promotion of unsustainable, environmentally damaging jobs, jobs that contribute to war and militarism, that are socially harmful, for example, like nuclear or we're going to have sustainable jobs, environmentally friendly jobs, socially useful jobs. And we propose the latter. And for all purposes and all if you wanted to use even ruling class and bourgeois economics, all of their own indicators would, would give you better outcomes with socially useful jobs. We've advocated shipyards in Adelaide be repurposed for building an Australian strategic trading fleet that be used for Australia's coastal and international trade, creating enormous numbers of jobs in the seagoing industry, associated shore-based suppliers, 
Chandler's agents, Provadors, massive amounts of jobs in manufacturing and in all associated trades. We've also advocated very strongly around jobs in offshore wind. And we've been running a campaign for a long time around um, offshore wind as a, a very sound basis for transition of workers out of um, offshore oil and gas industry and fossil fuel jobs. Look, the pandemic, clearly we're in the middle of a pandemic and we've got a Prime Minister who's been running off botching up um, largely everything to do with the rollout of um, vaccinations or anything to do with the real social welfare of the Australian people. Running off secret meetings, doing deals about military alliances to erode our sovereignty is a disgrace. And to burden the Australian people with such enormous cost, this is going to be an enormous cost that generations of our children will pay off. And we're paying it off for war. There's no benefit. We're in a pandemic. Our hospitals need funding. Schools need to be made COVID safe. And the massive increase in the military budget, and the military budget will just continue to increase. And for no socially beneficial reasons, we've solved society's problems in many respects. Or something, you know, we don't solve the structural problems of, of capitalism and exploitation of labour, but we can fix hospitals, we can fix schools. Having a, if we're going to deal with uh, the military, people have said to me, what about the other subs? I mean, we're not really interested in, in traditional subs either. We want to see ships built, ships that can be a benefit to Australia in terms of taking back its trading routes that have been completely hived off the foreign multinationals. And every single person in Australia gets gouged on the basis of it. Um, so there are so many options that we can do, but the the real hook in, in this in many respects is the submarines. Um, and they do present such an enormous threat and they present they push us into a new phase back to a cold point, sort of a recycled cold war phase, where we're gonna end up with all that sort of cold war repression and mad military spending that is not in the interests of the people. And we need to have a foreign policy that's independent, that seeks trade on mutually beneficial basis and seeks to resolve conflict through dialogue and diplomacy, not interested in war, Um, because we get killed, workers get killed in war. You're on Stick Together, workers' stories, union news and social justice issues. Morrison, in his speech announcing his AUKUS deal, talked about our Pacific family, and it was a deal about making the Pacific safe. It is only fair to finish this report by hearing a response from the Pacific. As a person from Kiribati, just like the climate emergency, our discussion of August comes from colonising attitudes between peoples. The world's dominating powers just feel my community, my people, my nation, my culture, as expandable. As it is for the climate emergency, so too for militarism and conflict. Again, the peoples and cultures of my region are just collateral damage to the greed and cultural narcissism of distant colonizing powers. It's not new. In 1943, we provided the battleground for conflict in the Second World War. 
fought between Japan and the U.S. was one of the, the bloodiest battles of Fair Pacific War. Although our people did not create that war, many were killed, injured, mistreated, traumatized, and displaced from their homes. Sadly, a few years later, my nation, Kiribati, had a leading role in the development of nuclear weapons, together with other Pacific communities. It was a role we never wanted and to which we never gave our consent. In 1957 and 1958, the British colonizing powers used our Christmas Island for nuclear tests. In 1962, the US needed a new site for their tests. So the British volunteered a place, not County Surrey, not Land's End. Rather, the British offered my home to the US and they conducted more nuclear tests, also on Kiribati, Christmas Island. I made a video call with my great uncle, and we talked about Kiribati's disregard by colonizing powers and about the Second World War. And my uncle said, and I quote, we can't go back to straighten the past. Our people suffered a lot from colonization, but we can try and stop what is happening now in our world. We are fighting for our very own survival as a result of the climate. Now Australia decided to join August without even thinking of the consequences that our people are going to face and experience in the future. This is inhumanity. Australia's Prime Minister Scott Morrison often talks about national borders and security. How about permitting such concerns to the Pacific Islands? Where does our security lie? The Pacific Island nations are very concerned and are fearful of the Australian government's decision. August means the expenditure, the expenditure of billions. In my opinion, Australia, the UK, the, the, and the US should help the Pacific Islands to provide safe drinking water for our children because infant mortality rates are high due to the lack of clean water. The water problems are aggravated by both drought and rising sea levels caused by the, the emissions of these powerful nations. Their pollution kills our children. And yet they spend their wealth barely to help, but rather on obscene weapons. In my opinion, August is a, a disaster, not just for the Pacific Island nations, but for the whole world. That's it from Stick Together this week. I'm Annie McLaughlin. Join the Stick Together team next week for more workers' news 